2: The stay-at-home trade taking a big breather today. Do any of these names have staying power? The traders make their picks. And we'll be joined by Michael Burns, the vice chairman of Lionsgate, has today's news breathe new life into the box office. We'll ask him. We start off with the news that sent stocks higher today. Positive results from a COVID vaccine trial. Meg Terrell's got all the details. Meg. Hey,
3: Melissa. Well, these results were so much better than anybody expected. Analysts were modeling maybe 75% efficacy if all went really well. Well, so we got 90% of efficacy with this uh, trial and this COVID vaccine from Pfizer and its German partner, BioNTech. Now, this is a 44,000 participant trial. And the way they measure efficacy in one of these studies is they look to see how many cases of COVID they see in the trial. And they want to see more cases in the placebo arm than in the vaccine arm to show that the vaccine is protected. And that's what they saw to the tune of 90% efficacy. Now, they also said they saw no serious safety concerns in the trial, and they're going to now proceed to the end of the two-month safety follow-up window required by the FDA before they would seek emergency use authorization. That will happen uh, next week. So after that, we could see them proceeding with filing for uh, regulatory clearance. Now, there are still questions remaining about this vaccine. This was just top-line data saying it looks like the vaccine works and it looks to be safe. But there are still questions about does it prevent severe disease? How well does it work in older people versus younger people? Does it prevent infection completely or just... Um, manifestations of the disease with symptoms. Other questions are, how long does this protection last? This is a new virus and a new technology. So we just don't know that yet. And of course, we also don't know how many Americans will be willing to get a vaccine. We've seen polling that shows maybe half of Americans are not willing to get a vaccine. So we need, uh, in order to see herd immunity, a lot of people willing to get vaccinated. Well, also of course, another problem is supply. Pfizer has said only 50 million doses will be available In 2020, up to 1.3 billion in 2021, this is a two-shot vaccine. So 50 million doses serves 25 million people, and that's around the globe, not just in the United States. We talked with Pfizer CEO Albert Borla this morning about this historic news and what's to come next. Here's what he said.
1: This was a very important, but only the first step. And now we feel very, very, very confident about the efficacy because it's overwhelming. Uh, We feel very good about safety, but we need to wait until next week when uh, the safety data will mature completely based on the guidelines of FDA. And of course, we need to make sure that we can constantly manufacture it in both uh, uh, in both uh, continents, in Europe and in the US, in the quantities that we are saying. We feel good about all of that.
3: So, almost a lot to be worked out still. But before 6:45 a.m. this morning, we didn't know if we were truly going to get a COVID-19 vaccine. This news showed us these vaccines, or at least this one, works. Back over to you.
2: Extraordinary day. Meg, a couple of questions for you. First of all, about the limited number of doses this year. It not only has agreements, purchase order agreements, effectively with the United States, but also the EU, the UK, Japan. Um, And I'm wondering, how do they prioritize the distribution of that limited amount of vaccine this year, as well as next year for that matter?
0: We
3: pressed Albert Borla, the Pfizer CEO, about that, and he wasn't specific about how they're going to be making those decisions. However, uh, I've talked with folks um, involved in this effort in the United States who do expect that the United States, because it struck its supply agreement first, Uh, does have a claim on at least some of those doses. The way that they structured this, Alex Azar, the HHS secretary, uh, spoke about this on Fox News earlier today. He said 20 million doses will be coming in per month in the United States starting in November. So that's 40 million doses for the rest of the year. Pfizer has said 50 million will be available this year. So that's four-fifths of the supply potentially coming to the United States, if this is correct. Um, But we are going to be seeing that in a metered fashion and then uh, throughout 2021 as well. But, you know, it could be a difficult ethical situation trying to figure out which governments uh, should get these doses.
2: Yeah. uh, And and then also the other question that I had, Meg, is uh, in in order to actually claim that the trial has gone to completion, it would have to reach, what, 164 infected patients within the trial. And right now they're about 70 something short. So when you mention the two month safety window coming as early as next month, does that imply that that's sort of on a rolling basis? And, and at what point will, I mean, we don't know when the 164 will hit. So what happens to that window, that two month window? And how does that affect approval?
3: So two months um, is the window set from when half of the people in the trial have received their second shot. And so Pfizer has already vaccinated half of the people in the trial. So they know that that's the third week of November. So that window doesn't change uh, based on how many people have been infected in the trial. And, you know, 94 infections so far is faster than people were modeling the infection rate in this country is so bad right now, it's not inconceivable to think that they would actually reach the end of that efficacy uh, trial at 164 cases fairly quickly. Mm. Um, And at that point, they will unblind the trial, tell people they were on placebo and switch them over to the vaccine I heard from Pfizer today. That's sort of the reward for being in the study. You get to get the vaccine after they unblind.
2: All right. Meg, thank you. Meg Terrell, who's been doing an unbelievable job following all these developments. Uh, The news out of Pfizer sending stocks rallying out of the gate this morning. The S&P closing just short of an all-time high. The Dow hitting an intraday record for the first time since February. The Nasdaq, though, notably negative as tech stocks pulled back and sent the index to its first loss in six sessions. So, Guy, what do you make of all this action? Does this mean that the value cyclical trade is firmly on and the tech trade? Maybe that's over.
4: Yeah, I don't know if it's firmly on, but it's clearly we're on the way. We've seen fits and starts like this before. And, you know, I don't think it's hyperbole to say this is a wonderful day for the human race. I think that's pretty clear. I'm excited. And, you know, I don't often get uh, euphoric like that. It's a great day. You look excited. There are a couple things that I take away. No, I'm look at me. <laughs> I'm thrilled. No, but I know you're a big Jimmy Cliff fan because we've talked about the great Jimmy Cliff a number of times. And he wrote a song, uh, Many Rivers to Cross. And that's the way I feel today. There's still many rivers to cross to get to us to the summer. And listen, we're probably coming up at at the worst possible time for the COVID virus. And I don't think that goes away magically. The market is pricing in a lot of good things. The one thing I take away from today is this. Pfizer, which obviously made that announcement today, closed exactly where it was on July 29th, $39.20. That's interesting. IBB closed unchanged on the day. And oh, by the way, the VIX uh, closed significantly higher on the day. And I've said a number of times you're going to see a market top when you have a huge day to the upside in the market, which you saw obviously in the Dow Jones and the S&P. And the VIX closes higher, which we saw today. It's just something to keep in mind. I'm not trying to throw cold water, but I'm just trying to point out some of the things that took place in the market today. Mel.
2: Dan, you're nodding your head.
4: Well, Jimmy Cliff also wrote a song that said,
5: I can clear, uh, see clearly now, um, you know, I can see clearly now that the machines are in charge here, man. That gap on the opening was absolutely ridiculous. You know, when you just went through with Meg, all of the things that have to happen for this uh, for this vaccine to be widely commercially available and really get this reflation trade or recovery trade or whatever kicked into high gear i just think the market's got way way ahead of himself i think the S and P 500 the way it sold off at the end of the day was kind of incorporating that and in probably some other funny business that's going to go on here in the u.s politically over the next couple of weeks and to your point about the nasdaq here i mean i don't think that trade is over i think they will come back to the MAGA complex in a heartbeat um, you know, just for, you know, if you guys have forgotten already, that's Microsoft, Apple, Google, and Amazon. I mean, those stocks, though, just had such a huge run-up into that September 2nd high. They were not able to make a new high earlier in October, and they clearly um, you know, just topped out before the October high. So we are in a little bit of a downtrend. I think you're going to have an opportunity to buy those stocks again, probably at their breakout levels from late summer.
2: I mean, if one of the playbooks for this MAGA trade, if you want to call it that, okay. a MAGA cap tech trade, um, is that the economy is going to exhibit s- slow okay. growth, and so you want to be in the names that have – organic growth, maybe that's off the table, Karen, in a world in which a vaccine prevails.
6: I think so. I mean, we always talk about the market as a forward-looking mechanism, Um, but just a couple things to talk about today that I think are really important. First, thank you to Pfizer. I'm sure they have worked tirelessly since this began. So just as a citizen of the world, thank you to Pfizer. Um, One thing we always talk about though is how to play the vaccine And I think we were unanimous in our don't play the vaccine through the biotechs. Play it through, if you really believe it's coming, through the airlines, the cruises, the hotels, those kind of names, because those went kind of crazy today. One, the the most sort of COVID vaccine stock that I own is Live Nation. And you can imagine festivals with people standing together, breathing on each other, and yelling and screaming. Aren't the right place to be except today. This was a fantastic day for them. I sold some stock. It just thought it got way ahead of itself. And you think about this. The enterprise value of Live Nation was actually bigger today. That's the market cap plus the debt than it was at the beginning of the year. And they've lost a ton of money. And, you know, they've raised debt. So that doesn't make any sense to me. But then there were other things like FedEx down 25 bucks. That wasn't such a COVID winner in that the multiple doesn't reflect that. And the other thing about FedEx is they do a lot of business to business, which is very profitable for them. That's been hurt during COVID. That will improve if, uh, if the vaccine becomes widespread. Yeah. So there was, I think, some opportunities to do some. One other crazy thing I just want to add, the XLF has not been up this much in one day. I don't think since in 08, you weren't allowed to short financial stocks. I don't know if you remember that this was a crazy day.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you take a look at some of the moves in the regionals, up double digit percentages. I mean, this is like the move for for Zoom, which moved in the opposite direction today, Tim.
7: Well, yeah, and and because this is the uh, the Jimmy Cliff block, I, I would is just it? say uh, the stuff that moved lower today, it, it you know falls under the harder they come, the harder they fall. I mean, we we had such absurd oh, outperformance nice. of mega cap tech for so long when there really was not nothing else to the economy. But uh, so let's let's pick up with the banks because J P Morgan was up fourteen percent today. But if you haven't paid attention, J P Morgan's up thirty percent in the last thirty sessions and outperformed the S and P by sixteen percent uh, since the third or fourth week of. September. So it's, it, you know, I, I think the, the argument that we were making all along was if the economy is at least stronger than expected and you're seeing this broader retail uh, rally and Main Street, et cetera, et cetera, that the banks either there's something wrong with that or that the banks are wrong. Uh, and what we heard in third quarter numbers is they rolled back significant revisions is that banks were feeling a little bit more confident. Well today, I think that's the most important trade because uh, the banks have really been the ones whose earnings were, were absolutely fine in the third quarter, but it's impossible to know what the credit c- exposure was. And when you layer in what's going on with 10-year yields and where rates have moved on the long end, it's a fantastic environment for banks. So I don't think this is a one-day move on banks. Uh, and I think you've had ratification of companies like JP Morgan, who are best of breed, who- who had excellent third quarter numbers and blew away EPS expectations. A lot of that because uh, of earnings, uh, and, excuse me, of, of loan revisions that have rolled off. But nonetheless, very good day.
2: It's an extraordinary day when, when the 10-year yield is within a shot of uh, one percentage point, right, in a matter of days. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get more reaction today's market action. Bring in our own Jeff Mills, the general, who's not only a fast money trader, but of course, the CIO of Brynmore Trust. So. Your strategist as well, Jeff. We thought we called you in to uh, to see if you believe in this sort of sector rotation that we saw today.
8: Yeah, it's great to join. Sorry, I can't see everyone. Um, I do believe it, but I agree with Dan in the sense that look, this isn't going to be a straight line. And I think any inclination that there's trouble with the vaccine or we have bits and starts with some of the headlines, you will see people flood back to the safety of that growth trade. But I think if you look back, say between now and the end of the year. So look that far ahead for a second. I do think that this piece of news removes one of the primary governors on the breadth of the market that we've been so desperately missing. And so it's the efficacy rate. I think that's a big surprise. Um, I think this probably gives us obviously a clearer timeline. I also think it increases the chances that others are going to come out with a vaccine of of similar effectiveness. And if you go back to last Wednesday, as an example, post-election, The market was up quite a bit, but 57% of the Russell 3000 was actually down on that day. So I think the more conviction investors can get that we aren't going to backslide into the abyss, then I think that that typical rotation that we would have expected off of the bottom, so into cyclicals, can start to materialize. uh, And I think we can start to begin to anticipate the beginning of a new economic cycle as we move into 2021. Again, it's not going to be a smooth ride, But I think that valuation gap does start to close over the next 12 months.
2: We talk so much about positioning on this show, Jeff. And obviously, a lot of institutional investors, professional investors, uh, have been so heavily invested in the tech trade. And so maybe got caught off sides a little bit by what happened in today's market, as well as the past few days. And I'm wondering, Jeff, if you think this is just sort of a resizing their positions as we go into year end. You don't want to be too heavily in tech. You don't want to be seen as being too heavily in tech when you've got the cyclical trade on.
8: Yeah, I mean, there, there's no question that people were a little bit size. I think the moves that we saw today were extreme, and it's certainly not going to continue in this fashion, you know, for the next number of weeks or months. Again, well, we will have fits and starts, but To my point about the valuation gap, you know, at the height of the tech bubble, just to put it in context, you had about 14% of the Russell 3000 that traded at greater than 10 times sales. Today, that number stands at almost 12%. So obviously, large cap tech is in a lot better of a position today than they were back then, but signs of excess in that side of the market. And when you think about the calculation now, so I still think we get some sort of fiscal stimulus. Now you have the vaccine, the vaccine that looks a little bit more clear. You have the Fed that's probably not going anywhere. And you have pretty decent earnings growth. I mean, companies that are beating are beating by 20%. The average is 3 or 4%. And If you think about earnings growth expectations out to 2021, 2022, it is industrials and financials and materials and consumer discretionary and, obviously, energy coming off a very low bar. But those are the, those are the sectors that are going to grow earnings. Um, the most quickly, and those are the sectors that have been most depressed from a valuation standpoint.
7: Hey, General, it's Tim. So I I think what what you're saying there around the EPS dynamic is is that we were giving companies a pass on 21, and we're saying normalized in 22. Are you saying that the bar now needs to be raised before 22? Because I, I think you get some kind of good news is bad news as it relates to the market's interpretation of stocks.
8: Yeah, and I'm saluting you, Tim. You can't see me, but I'm saluting you. Um, I do think that's the case. I feel you know, it. Now, I feel you. <laughs> now, as people start to move in, in, in more of a clear direction toward the cyclicals, then obviously more optimism is going to be priced into those names. You're not going to be able to look to normalized earnings in 2022 or 2023. People are going to have to expect earnings materialize a, a little bit more quickly than that. And I think if this news continues in this direction – that will be the case. But I also think, again, to the point that that there's a lot more wood to chop here, I think stimulus has to be part of this equation. Um, I actually tweeted this out earlier to varying degrees of skepticism, but I think that the vaccine news today may actually counterintuitively be the impetus for another round of stimulus. So if you have the government that knows it's building a very specific bridge from today to a time where activity can return, to normal, I think the additional spending may be more palatable for both sides actually, and you have less of a fear of this throwing good money after bad because <clears> the end game is a little bit more clear. So if you have that earnings materialized, which I think you, you probably have a better chance of now, and you have that stimulus at least in some form, I think it helps the rotation.
4: Jeff, love your work, and I was going to actually ask about your tweet, so you answered that before I was able to ask it. So I'll ask you this. Huge move in the banks. Is this something that now makes sense or, you know, put your trader hat on and you say you fade a 15% move in some of these big cap names? Yeah, so if I'm
8: trading the banks here, I'm probably going to fade the move. You know, I've been talking about how we've been positioned in more of a cyclical way for a while, but I've been skeptical as it relates to the banks just because I think it's so tied to interest rates. You know, whether they should be or not, that's how they trade. And I'm a little bit skeptical that you're going to see a massive steepening of the yield curve or a really precipitous rise in rates. So in financials, I would still rather be in diversified financials like, you know, Goldman or Morgan Stanley or payments like Visa or MasterCard. Um, I was actually looking at the chart of Schwab today. It broke a multi-year downtrend. It actually looks like it's picking up some momentum. So interesting there. Um, So the banks specifically, I think they can participate once the rotation picks up steam. But this kind of move today... I think you can probably buy them a little bit lower again.
2: All right, Jeff, great to see you. Thank you. Uh, And in true Fast Money fashion, yourself would you rather, in case you didn't catch that. Jeff Mills of Bryn Mawr Trust. Karen, (laughs) uh, I'm wondering if you took this opportunity to trim anything else in your portfolio, seeing the outsized moves that we saw across a lot of the value sectors, which you own.
6: Right. Well, actually, I didn't. The one that I would probably lighten up on through selling uh, out-of-the-money calls would actually probably be the bank's. This move, as Tim pointed out, has been before today was up big, so 30 plus percent for you know J.P. Morgan was at 91 or 92, mm. so I probably sell some out-of-the-money calls. I was looking at a dc 120. Um, I mean, I like the banks, so I want to hang on to them, but this move is really gargantuan. Yeah.
2: All right, coming up, the stay-at-home stocks in a slump today. Is this the end of the road for some of this year's high-flyer winners? The trades of those names ahead, plus Beyond Meat getting burned. We'll tell you why investors are flipping on the alt-meat giant. More at Fast Money in two minutes.
9: Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy.
2: Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert for you on Beyond Meat. Shares are plunging. They're down by about 28% right now in the after-hour session as the company posts a loss saying the coronavirus pandemic weakened restaurant demand for its meat alternative. Shares were down 4% during the regular session. It was sort of an interesting tale during the regular session. McDonald's came out, said that they had this McPlant burger. Beyond Meat sold off. Beyond Meat then said it was supplying that McPlant. Uh, product to McDonald's. The share went back up. And here we are in the regular in the after our session. And basically, what they said was that during the pandemic, consumers were loading up their freezers. I mean, this is the ultimate pull forward of demand, Dan, that we saw in Beyond Meat. And the result was very, very weak sales in this most recent quarter.
5: Yeah, I think we saw that in a lot of consumer staples, um, you know, in the last seven or eight or nine months or so. Um, Could you see a restocking if things were to slow down, you know, with the virus? Again, this goes back to that vaccine. I'm not so sure that if we are going to have the sort of spike that a lot of people are expecting or that looks apparent right now that we might not go back, especially as it gets colder, to kind of being more at home. So this one is obviously down a whole heck of a lot right now, but you might see a restocking trade again.
2: Yeah, I mean, we should note, too, that the short interest on this is 22%, according to FactSet. So shorts are probably leaning into this move here. Guy, if you are a believer in the future of alternative meats, which I know you are, <laughs> is this your opportunity?
4: <laughs> See, you're leading me down this road because you want to be, and, and no, you know, no, I don't want to hear anything about unpredictable I, I don't, don't want to hear won't anything talk about it. my constitution. I,
2: only the stock. Or how I only much I love the, the stock, stock,
4: but not, I mean. <laughs> think about this stock traded almost two hundred dollars i mean it went up basically seventy five dollars in a straight line so you have to ask yourself where's the re-entry point and i think it comes in the form of ninety eight bucks or so that would be a round trip of this entire move since the spring in terms of the quarter it, it, absolute disaster i didn't realize foolishly that you actually had to refrigerate these things and put them in your freezer i thought they were more like twinkies you just sort of put them out there and they last forever with that said, uh, the re-entry point is 98 bucks. It looks like it's going to get there, given this news.
2: Apparently, pea protein isolate doesn't last forever like a, like a Twinkie guy. Um, Tim, where do you stand on this stock?
7: Well, I'm just glad we didn't get into guy's uh, constitution. I I do think you have always had a competitive dynamic for me. That was the reason why I couldn't own the valuation and and a growth company that's not growing. And even in the pandemic, and even if you just think about momentum around the stock, today's news was great for food service, right? If anything, uh, restaurants can see the future somewhere. And even if it's not tomorrow, we we get some sense we're close to that. That should have been great for for, uh, a company that has been certainly giving you the headwinds attached to that part of their business. So um, I I don't think this has ever been worth owning at the valuation. I think there's a lot of people that are moving into plant-based food. It's an exciting area to be in. But is this the multiple you still want to pay for?
2: Yeah. By the way, the CEO, Ethan Brown, will be on Mad Money tomorrow. So you won't want to miss that Mad Money, uh, Beyond Meat CEO. All right, we're just getting started here on Fast Money. Here's what's coming up
5: next. Peloton hitting resistance, Zoom getting dinged. But which of these stay-at-home stocks has staying power? Get comfy, because we'll have those details next. And later, buckle up. Options traders are betting on Lyft shares to move higher here. The trade ahead. We've got that and a lot more when Fast Money returns.
2: Welcome back to Fast Money, a big rally on Wall Street with the Dow posting its biggest gain since June. But not all stocks went along for the ride. Check out some of the big stay-at-home winners that missed out on today's gains. Zoom, Peloton, DocuSign, Take-Two, among some of them deep in the red. So we thought it would be a good time to ask the question. That's right. Should you stay in these stocks or should you go? Let's start off with Zoom. Karen, what do you say?
6: I would say go. I mean obviously this is a great company and Zoom is not, you know, part of our nomenclature now it just it, it, but on a valuation basis at this price I don't know 4 14 50 wherever it went out I just the only reason people will hold on to it I think in the short term is because they saw it trade with a 500 plus handle But that's an irrelevant piece of information now. So, you know, trading at uh, whatever, 100 times cash flow and a revenue multiple here, it's, uh, I would tell. Take some money off the table. How do you not?
2: But even in a post-pandemic world, Guy, I mean, I would imagine that some business travel never comes back and that some meetings will be on Zoom. Can you imagine if we did our midday call by Zoom? (laughs) That would
4: be amazing. (laughs) No. No, because I don't want to see what Tim Seymour is wearing midday, to be honest with you. I'd more rather do it over the phone. Uh, I think in terms of, you have to ask yourself, what percentage of their business are they going to retain in a post-pandemic world? So this time next year, are they going to be doing 30% of the business they're doing or 65 or 70%? I think you can back into the number. Karen makes a great point in terms of where the stock was is irrelevant, but that doesn't mean the company's going away and she's not suggesting that. So you just have to figure out, in your opinion – what percentage of their business will be maintained a year from now? My, my instincts is probably somewhere between 70 and 75 percent.
2: Yeah, I think that's a question for all of these stocks. Let's get to the next one. Peloton. Dan, what do you say about this?
5: Listen, you know, again, we could kind of exchange that whole conversation about valuation and about outperformance and, and all that sort of stuff to this name. Um, this one, I think, is a little different than Zoom. I think Zoom has... A whole heck of a lot of competition from some very very big entrenched um, you know mega cap tech companies or so Peloton's a little different story 29 billion dollar market cap company let me tell you something if Google alphabet wanted to buy Fitbit lowly Fitbit okay um, they're certainly going to want to buy this company they were going to want the data they're going to want that massive screen that gives um, you know undivided attention there right because people don't always want to do classes um, I think that this is a company that will be part of a much bigger platform company in a different regulatory environment so i don't know where it is i know that the behavior that's been created by their offering is not going to change anytime soon even if gyms open up again so to me this one you know it got i don't know it was trading at 60 bucks in august if you traded as high as 140 last month if this thing was back in the mid 60s or something i think you buy it you put it away and and this one is going to be a a meaningful brand
4: for years to come DocuSign, Guy, say or go. What am I? uh, Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize it was. So I'll play the game correctly. You stay because I don't think DocuSign is like the others. I think it's I think this is a complete sea change in the way things have been done. So whether or not we get back to normal or not, DocuSign is here to stay. One of my favorite analysts named Will Power uh, just initiated, I think, outperformed $280 (laughs) price target. They report, I think, on December 3rd. And if you look since July, uh, the beginning of July, $190 has been the line in the sand of where the stock is hold. I think it traded down to 196 today. I, I, I stay, although the clash is miserable, I stay with DocuSign.
2: <laughs> it is? I thought you guys, I, Tim likes this. No? Tim, you don't like the clash? Of course, yes. Yeah, he does. Okay, you like the clash. Yeah, that's what I thought. Take two, Tim. I Look, I love The
7: Clash. It's unfortunate that The Clash are memorialized by their most commercial and maybe one of their worst songs. Um, Guy doesn't really understand the angst uh, behind The Clash, but that's for another show. Um, look, Take Two is, is a name that I think gets thrown into one of these stay-at-home stocks that's a, a COVID stock. Take two uh, was a secular story with with gaming and everything that we're doing with uh, some of the the consoles, the online gaming. It's all been part of a two to three year trend that continues to gain momentum. So, yes, COVID trends were important for NBA 2K. ESPN was running athletes playing against each other when there are no sports. So, yeah, there was some moments where it seemed like it was that was the sweet spot. But uh, 29 times earnings, not expensive. Uh, the fact that their recurring subscription revenue was up 43 percent and, and it's growing from there. I, I just this is a, a story that didn't come about because of COVID. Uh, and I think a lot of these gamings and a lot of these online gaming companies are media companies uh, that a lot of other media companies <laughs> are keeping their eye on.
2: All right. Coming up, where are all the good movies? Hopefully back in the theater soon as the COVID vaccine is near. We'll be joined by the Lionsgate vice chairman on what is next for the studio production pipeline. And later, the home retailer stocks taking you on the chin today. The names, the trades on those names straight ahead. Stick around. Much more Fast Money straight ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out shares of Lionsgate soaring 7% today as the reopening trade takes hold. The stock is up more than 20% since earnings last week. Joining us now is the vice chairman of Lionsgate Entertainment, Michael Burns. Michael, great to see you.
10: Well, sir, I wish I could see you. It's the first time I've spoken to you, I think, since you uh, are a mom. So congratulations.
2: Oh, thank you, Michael. Appreciate that. Um, what a day today uh, with the extraordinary news from Pfizer. And I'm wondering, Michael, if that changes your view of, of how you see the, the massive changes that are already underway in the movie production and distribution business that had been accelerated by COVID. Does this give you new hope that perhaps some of that will, will slow down a bit?
10: I think that COVID is having, obviously hurt the theater business dramatically, but uh, I do believe it will be coming back and it will be coming back when COVID is behind us. And I think certainly the vaccine helps. But the nice thing about what Joe Drake and his team are doing on the theatrical side is they're making an awful lot of content and we're able to monetize that in ways we never have been in the past. And, and that's working for us.
2: When you say you think the movie business will be back when the pandemic is behind us, will it be back in the same way? Will it be back in the same force? You recently did uh in the in the film business in your film group, 15 percent. Um, could you see that group sort of uh, grow back to its original size once we're we're, we're post-pandemic.
10: I think to be you know perfectly frank, I think when you make cuts and you, you streamline a particular division like we have on the motion picture business, I, I don't see bodies being added back. I think that we have a very efficient operation, and I think it'll stay at that level.
7: Michael, it's Tim. Thanks for joining us. Uh, good, Jim. You know, you have such great content that sets you apart from a lot of your peers, but you also have flexibility uh, on your distribution. And I know in mid-September, you released Antebellum uh, in the PVOD space. Talk about that. Talk about how that went and talk about the, you know, the ability to actually control the distribution.
10: Yeah, I think our plan is working, Tim. What's happening is we have this giant content engine. And when you couple that with a premium global streaming platform, it's a pretty good uh, combination. It's a good one-two punch. And then adding to that, the library, I think it's sort of uh, has been overlooked for a long time. But if you, I think it's hard to overlook the fact that, you know, the last 12 months you're talking about, uh, look at the $738 million of record uh, record uh, library uh, revenue. It's creating enormous value. We could make a case pretty, pretty uh uh, straightforward in a very straightforward fashion that our our library is now approaching the enterprise value of the company.
6: Mike, it's Karen, thanks thanks for being on. Back to the model, the tr- question about the traditional model. Do you think it will change in terms of when uh, theaters will when movies will open, how long theaters will have them, or is that going to change significantly?
10: I think a lot of windows are going to be uh, moved around. I think that we all believe that those that make uh, content for the theatrical experience, we all uh, believe that that is a valuable window, and we'd like to see that open back up and be a robust business. Now, when it's going to happen, I don't really know. Somebody in front of mine who runs another stu- studio, he sent me this the other day. He said, when somebody asks you that question, just uh, shake this. So uh, it is a, it's hard didn't know exactly uh, when the, the theaters are going to open, but they will open. And we're encouraged by what we're seeing in some of the international marketplaces
9: all
2: right michael we're gonna to have to leave it there it's always a pleasure to see you i can see you i know you can't see us melissa you
10: didn't ask you didn't ask me one question about stars which is our 70 percent of our uh contribution margin but we are uh, excited about the way that all these businesses are working together
2: yeah guy was gonna ask you about stars you know i'll ask you one last question how much of a pull forward do you think there has been because of the pandemic in terms of subscribers
10: i think it's helped but if you sort of look across the if you look at all the numbers you talk about you know, we're 10x uh, the number of OTT subscribers at STARS that we were when we bought STARS four years ago. 10 times. You're talking about global, you know, global OTT subs that are up 20%, uh, domestic subs for the quarter up 24%. Those are big numbers. I think that you had a, a the trend was going our way even before the pandemic with uh, the job that Jeff Hirsch and the team at STARS are doing. And it's just been uh, accelerated or supercharged by what's happening in the world.
2: All right. I got producers that are going to yell at me, Michael. <laughs>
10: Thank you. Thank you guys for uh, giving me that question.
2: Michael Burns, <laughs> uh, vice chair of Lionsgate. Guy, I'll go to you on this. We've we've known Michael for a very long time.
4: you huge. Listen, Michael Burns was coming on this show when, you know, we used to have to ask people to come on. He would always come on whenever asked. I'm a, I'm a huge Michael Burns fan. He knows that. So I'm clearly biased. But I was going to ask about stars. Because that was a tremendous act. you think about what they did there, you think about how much it's grown. I don't think the market is pricing in the star's success. I'm a huge fan of Power, the series, and now this new Power, um, which is tremendous. I mean, you talk about a dark show. It's the best, right? Exactly. So you want to watch something cool, watch that. Stocks not being, I don't think it's given enough credit for the stars. And I think the stock should go higher from here.
2: All right. Coming up, Lyft gearing up to report earnings tomorrow. And the options market is expecting the ride-share giant will lift off on the results. We'll explain. Plus, the home decor stocks getting messy today as investors pull out of the red hot space. We'll tell you what has got Wall Street so bearish on these stocks. Don't go anywhere. Much more fast money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Housing and home retail stocks have been major beneficiaries of the work-from-home trade, but with a vaccine on the horizon, is this trade over? Let's bring in Anthony Chikumba with Loop Capital. Anthony, great to have you with us. Um, Which stocks in your coverage universe do you think sold off rightfully so, and which ones deserve to be kept in your portfolio?
1: That's a great question. Uh, When we talk about the home furnishings retailers, you had Bed Bath & Beyond down 13%. Uh, you had uh, RH down 4%, uh, Williams-Sonoma down 10%, and then uh, at home uh, was down uh, 19%. Uh, in terms of Bed Bath, uh, Williams-Sonoma, and at home, I-, I don't really have a major problem with the sell off because I do think that they were major Uh, COVID-19 beneficiaries. And when things get back to normal, I I think it's going to take the bloom off the rose. RH sold off much less, and I'm much more positive on that because it wasn't just a COVID-19 play like I think those other stocks to a large extent were.
2: How do you think about post-pandemic, Anthony? I mean, do we actually go back to the way we were and people aren't nesting and and they're not buying uh, Le Creuset cast iron skillets and, and new sofas?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, and I'm not a virologist or an epidemiologist, and I don't play one on TV, but I do see a return to more normalcy, people spending more time, you know, outside the home, going back to sporting events, going back to movie theaters, traveling more, Um, and so, first off, that's going to divert discretionary spend that's currently being spent in the home, Um, And it's also, if you're not spending as much time in the home, you don't necessarily notice, well, you know, we should probably redo these floors or we should replace our furniture. Um, So it it remains to be seen how long it takes to play out, but certainly a return to normalcy, I think, to some extent, is a negative uh, for these home furnishings retailers. There's no question about that.
7: Anthony, it's Tim. Thanks for joining us. I, I know you're not an economist, but you understand the correlations for your sector from lower interest rates. Uh, today, you had a big move higher in rates. What do you think th- that impact is? Because, again, home equity loans give you a lot of money to go down to restoration hardware. Uh, there is a dynamic here that's also uh, a move out of the cities into the urban centers. So speak to the rates issue.
1: Sure, absolutely. Uh, I'm not an economist, but I did have an undergraduate. A minor in economics, so I, so I think I can speak to that more than uh, virology and epidemiology. Um, yes, look, clearly if interest rates uh, go up, then that then mortgage rates are going to um, move, you know, in relative lockstep. Um, that will put a bit of a damper on the housing market, and the housing market has been so strong these last few months. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if, if mortgage rates go up, then maybe you don't have as many people um, sort of moving out of urban areas, moving to the suburbs um you know we'll 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 certainly see because i mean the one thing to remember too is like look this is covid 19 and it and on the one hand you say well it's a once-in-a-generation type thing but on the other hand i mean there could be a covid 20 there could be a covid 2021 20, right or 21 and so it, it, you know i think it will have at least a, a bit of a lasting impact on the on the consumer psyche
2: god i hope you're wrong on that front anthony <laughs> thank you for joining us we appreciate it anthony chikumba of loop um karen how do you think about this trade i mean i think about all these people who move from the cities to the suburbs and what they may be thinking now or if they're in contract for a a large you know seven bedroom home with two home offices (laughs) if they're regretting it
6: (laughs) right and are they going to buy those really you know pretty expensive restoration hardware um sofas i don't i don't know i can't help but think this pullback wasn't really enough, given the you know, the big picture dynamic. But um, I don't know. I missed the ride on Restoration Hardware, so maybe I'm just bitter about it. Um, but I think for something like um, Bed Bath and Beyond, I absolutely get what Anthony's saying, that maybe the bloom is off the rose there.
2: All right. Coming up, Lyft shares taking off today and options traders betting on an even bigger U-turn for the stock on reports earnings this week. We'll break down the action. And at the top of the hour, Jim Kramer is chatting with the CEOs of Polaris and L3Harris. You won't want to miss that. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Lyft shares driving higher today, rallying more than 25%, and options traders are betting on an even longer ride for the rally when it report's earnings. Let's get to Mike Coe to break down the action. Mike.
4: Hi, Melissa. So we saw call volume significantly outpace put volume by nearly 3 to 1 on well above average call volume. In fact, it traded more than 40,000 contracts above its average daily call volume. Right now, the options market is implying a move of just under 10% after they report earnings. That's slightly higher than approximately 9% that it has averaged in its history as a publicly traded company. The most actively traded contracts today were the November 48 strike weekly options. Those are the ones that expire this coming Friday Ultimately, over 15,000 of those were trading for between 50 and 60 cents. Buyers of those call options are obviously betting that Lyft is going to exceed that $40 strike price by at least the premium they paid by the end of the week. And it appears that they're probably targeting those highs that we saw back in June after the V-shaped bottom that we saw from March.
2: Dan, um, what an extraordinary week for, or week, week, plus for Lyft with Prop 22 and, and then um, earnings coming up and obviously the reopening trade reignition.
5: Yeah, I mean, up 80% nearly since October 28th. Um, Truly astounding. And we had this debate on the show last week that was a would-you-rather Uber versus Lyft. And I think all of us were saying, this is the trade. This is an epicenter stock. This is a reopening trade. It's focused on North America, and that's why you've seen the outperformance here. But I think the way Mike described it, people looking to play for a move back to those June highs or above in those weekly calls, makes a lot of sense. After a move like this, Mike said implied move of 10%. This thing's likely to move 15 20% in either direction. You just better get the direction right, or those calls would be uh, worthless very quickly. Yeah.
2: All right. Mike, thanks for that action. For more options action, be sure to tune into the full show. That's Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up next, we've got your final trade. Welcome back and be sure to tune in tonight for the news with Shepard Smith. He is taking an in-depth look at the latest developments following Pfizer's vaccine news, how the vaccine will get distributed and the ethical debate over who will get it first and when it will be widely available. Meantime, obviously, that news and markets uh, rallying today. Let's t- take a check on where we closed out the session. Off the session highs across the board, but the Dow did add 834 points, a gain of almost three percent. S&P up by more than one percent. The Nasdaq, the loser here, down one and a half percent as tech in today's sort of uh, value cyclical rotation lost out. Guy, tomorrow morning, what's the first thing you're looking at to see if this rally sticks?
4: Yeah, no particular order. The, techni- the technicians out there will talk about the potential for an island reversal in the S&P 500. You had a gap, uh, gap higher open today. If we were to see a gap lower open tomorrow, that puts it in. The VIX today sort of tells you we might see that. The fact, the fact that the VIX rallied strong at the end of the day is suggestive of that. I'm also looking at the bond market. TLT, 154.5 was the June low. We seemingly held it today. That's the other thing. And the third thing I'm watching, is the sell-off in gold over? I think it is, Mel. All right.
2: Time now for the final trade. Let us go around the horn. Tim Seymour.
4: Lowe's reports next week.
7: I think there's a high bar. I think you've got a very crowded hedge fund long trade. But I think uh, the home improvement trade is alive and well. Lower rates are here. And Lowe's was oversold today.
6: I would be buying it after earnings.
2: We're playing the clash just to irk guy. Karen, what do you say? (laughs)
6: Yes, I want to say once again, thank you to Pfizer and also just shout out to my niece, Dorothy Canton, who's a producer on Power. So Guy, next time she's in town and we're all together, you will meet her. Um, And my final trade, I have to sell some J.P. Morgan out of the money calls. Not that I love Jamie any less, but this move has been gargantuan. I think it could cool down.
2: Dan.
5: Yeah, American Express, crazy gap. I think you want to buy it on the way
2: back in towards
5: 110. It will come back in
2: guy cme mel all right thanks for watching fast to see you back here tomorrow at five mad money with jim kramer starts right now
0: people today can spend half their lives over 50 so it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older like a family vacation Jenny!